This morning, I'm going to look at a passage, and if you've heard this passage preached, it's usually done in a different way. I'm going to take it from a different angle this morning. Um, if you would stand with me, we're going to read Mark 11, 15 through 17. It says, when they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for our lives. Thank you for allowing us to come here and to worship you together as your children. Right now, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that your words come out of my mouth. May I decrease and you increase, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would open up the hearts of everybody here to get something out of this. I pray that you would speak to everybody individually in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So this passage this was coming up on Passover, and there was thousands, if not millions, of people coming, coming into Jerusalem when this happened. And, and Jesus just, he was filled uh, with righteous anger about what was going on within the walls of that temple. And I have three uh, lessons I think we can learn from this passage. A lot of times I've heard this message preached, it's, it's about the righteous anger of Christ, how we can have righteous anger. But, um, but like I said, I'm going to take it from a different angle. And so the three lessons that I want to uh, go through today, the first one is this. Number one, love the outcasts. Love the outcasts. In verse 17, he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. If you know anything about the temple of the Jews, you know that they have different courtyards for people. When you first walk into the temple, you have the, the courtyard of the Gentiles. The Gentiles cannot go beyond that point. If you're, there's Jews, and everybody else is a Gentile. So there's a courtyard of the Gentiles. Then you had the court of women. Jewish men and women can go in that court. And then you had the court of the Jews, and only Jewish men could go that far. And then you go to uh, the, the holy place and the most holy place, and that's where the priest would go. Well, these merchants were set up in the court of the Gentiles, of the people that were different than them, interrupting their worship of God, taking advantage of these people by jacking up prices to make a profit for themselves. So I have a little sub-point under that is, is don't show favoritism. So we should love the outcast, but if we're going to do that, we can't show favoritism. Um, we cannot allow ourselves to look at anybody that's different than us and look down on them. 
It's very clear in James 2 how we should treat everybody, whether we like them or not, whether th- if they're like us or not, we should treat them with dignity and respect. Um, imagine this, and, and, and the, the bad thing is this is probably true. I'm trying to think of a famous person that everybody would, Steve Spurrier. All right, Steve Spurrier comes in here. Most of y'all are Florida fans, so we'll use him. Spe- Steve Spurrier comes in here and wants to come worship with us. I have a feeling he would have a drove of people coming to welcome him. Hey, coffee's over here. Uh, have a seat right here in the best spot. We would, we would try to make his time here pleasant. We see somebody coming here at the same exact time in raggedy clothes, not able to do anything, not a, not a penny in their pocket, and it's like we overlook them. can't show favoritism within the body of Christ. Um, I'm just going to say this. We, 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 we make this place out to be like a, like a country club. The good thing is this church is so much different than other churches I've been to, thank God. But, but many churches, it's like a country club. You go in there, and if you're not like this person, if you're not white, if you're not black, whatever it may be, if you're not rich, if you're poor, whatever, you're, you're segregated. And isn't it sad that the most segregated, segregated day of the week is on a Sunday morning? It, it's true. But like I said, I'm so thankful for, the, for this church, the way we love people. Um, but let's make sure that we continue to do it and continue to do it even more. These cops, they protect us. And hopefully they protect everybody equally. We as the body of Christ, as believers, should treat everybody equally, whether they can pay you back for what you do for them or not. You can't show favoritism. But also, don't be fake. That's the next little sub-point under there. Don't be fake. Um, when we began a few months ago going down to the homeless, we started ministering to them, and it took a while for them to know that we actually care for them, because I know many people, yeah, they, they go and give them food, they give them money, um, but that's it. They don't try to build a relationship with them, and, and so it took a while of us being consistent, going down there to minister to them, to love them, for them to actually trust us. Romans twelve nine says, just don't, or don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Don't just pretend to love people. Don't, don't love people when the spotlight is on you, and just so you can get attention. Really love people. Invest in people's lives, even if they can pay you back or not. Um, I went to the hospital this past Friday. I went to give me a haircut, and I went straight across the street from the mall to um, North Florida. Um, I went to go visit uh, one of the homeless people that actually got saved here about a month or so back. Um, his name is John. And so I went in there and visited him. I got him a few clothes because somebody stole his clothes while he was in the hospital, so he didn't have nothing left. So uh, we went to visit him. And I was talking to him, prayed together, let him talk because he was lonely. 
But he told me something. He's like, there's only been one other person that has come to visit me. He's been in there for about three weeks. And, and it was one of his, his homeless buddies. Um, and I thought to myself, if we had one of our, our wealthy or important or popular people, if Steve Spurrier was in the hospital, I feel like he would have to tell everybody, hey, I need my space. But we overlook the people that can't do anything for us. You need to genuinely love people the way that Christ genuinely loves us. We are sick compared to Christ. We are, we are nasty creatures. All right, we're disgusting, but co- compared to a holy God. But Jesus lowered himself, Philippians 2, he lowered himself beneath us to serve us, yet we can't lower ourselves just a little bit to love somebody else. Let's take a look at who Jesus took time for. Mark 2, 15 through 17, I think I put it up there. Awesome. Um, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they, um, they asked his disciples, why does he eat? tax collectors and sinners verse 17 on hearing this jesus said to them it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick i've not come to call the righteous but sinners one big reason why i have a a passion for homeless and for people like that it's not because they can give me anything back. It's because they're receptive to the gospel. Many times they've hit rock bottom. They're looking for something. They're receptive to hear about the love that Christ has for them. James 2.5, listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? And it's not just about the money. It's being poor in spirit recognizing your brokenness before a holy God and your need for a Savior. And that's the reason we need to seek out those who are outcasts, who are unlovable, who can't do anything for us. Sometimes you do things for people and it seems like they don't even appreciate you. But if you think about it, Jesus loves us, and many times we don't even spend time with them, and that's why he created us. So if Jesus were to to walk into your life physically and he looked at you, would he turn over the tables in your life because you're not loving the unlovable? Are you not loving the outcast? Or would he look at you and say, well done? Let's make sure we're loving people the way Christ loves us. Do you show favoritism? Are you being fake to people or do you genuinely love people the way Christ loves you? So love people, care for people, serve people. The Bible says, I talked about this in Sunday school, that um, one of the Pharisees went to Jesus and asked, well, well, who's our neighbor? And he told them a story about a Samaritan helping out this man. And Samaritans 
were the people that the Jews could not stand. They were half-breeds. Jews could not stand these people, and they hated them. And so those people who are our enemies, we are called to love them. For your officers, I'm sure there's many times y'all don't get appreciated when you're out there on the streets. There's probably people you serve that can't stand you. They don't show you any respect. We're supposed to love these people, love your enemies. And, and when we love, love results in service. So it doesn't just say, tell them you love them. Show you even your enemies that you love them. Serve even your enemies. That's the hardest thing to do. But that's what we're called to do as believers in Christ Jesus. So love the outcast. Number two, second thing I think we can look at is love God more than tradition. Love God more than tradition. Um, many scholars believe that this was probably the second time that Jesus drove out people in the temple. Because if you go back to John 2, it talks about Jesus doing it at the beginning of his ministry. I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I've studied it. I tried to, I have my own opinions, um, but this isn't a place for my opinion. I'm going to speak God's truth. Uh, but this is probably the second time. And this is generation after generation of people trying to take advantage of people coming in during Passover to worship a holy God. When I was growing up, uh, every Christmas, who, who loves Christmas, being with family? All right, I love Christmas. And every year, we would celebrate Christmas at my house with my siblings, my parents. And then right afterwards, we would head two hours to actually Williston um, to visit my aunt and uncle. And we would have Christmas there with my aunts, uncles, cousins, all of that. I loved it. But as I grew older, my cousins started having their own families. And that tradition started to break down. And Christmas was not enjoyable. I couldn't stand Christmas. And then I had a heart check. I realized I was celebrating the celebration more than I was celebrating Christ who we were supposed to be celebrating. And, and when we get to traditions, when they become more important, it's usually because of selfishness. So the little sub-point under there is don't be selfish. Matthew 15, 1 through 6 says this. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Is that crazy? <laughs> they're, they're, they're complaining because his disciples don't wash their hands, and they're breaking this tradition. Keep going on. Jesus replied, I love Jesus. And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of tradition. Let me explain this. There was this thing called uh, Corbin. It was a Corbin offering. So, example, if I had a piece of property and I really wasn't getting along with my parents, I really didn't care for them, um, I could say this property right here, my, my land is Corbin. It's only used for God. Now, I could still keep it in my possession, use it, but I could say the Jewish law says you can use that 
um, as an offering. Therefore, nobody else can be on that land. So since I do that, my parents, I can't help you, mom and dad, I'm sorry. So these people were making this offering to God just so they could skirt around honoring their father and mother. So Jesus was saying, okay, my disciples aren't washing their hands. Okay, this is break God's law. It breaks your little tradition. That's fine. But why do you break God's law for your little tradition? Let's make sure that we are serving God wholeheartedly. At my last church, uh, we had a tough time, tough time getting drums into that sanctuary. It, it was an old, small country church, and um, I'm talking about years it took to get drums because it wasn't the tradition. And then you look at Psalm 150 uh, saying, praise him with a clash of cymbals, praise him with loud clanging cymbals, like praise him with everything you have. And eventually got those, those drums into that sanctuary. But it's just so funny how a little bit of tradition blocks us from serving God, loving God, and loving each other. And how much conflict it creates. I say music because I just feel like a lot of churches getting stupid conflicts over something so simple. When in reality, <laughs> I think it's God that we're serving, if I'm not mistaken, and, and singing to him. So it should be his preference rather than anybody's. Just a, just a thing. Y'all agree with that? That we ought to be honoring God with everything we have. Um, and, and I've heard it like this in that same church. Um, we had one group of people, we should only be singing new songs, the old hymns don't matter, whatever. Well, isn't there a lot of truth in those old hymns? Amen? Okay, then you go back on this side, and you had these people saying, all we should be singing is these hymns. We don't need this new stuff. When in reality, I don't know if y'all know this, did y'all know that every song praising God is a hymn? Did y'all know that? There's no such thing as this is a hymn, this is not. Every song praising God is a hymn. We don't, we don't create conflict over something simple as musical traditions. In, in fact, in the 1700s was the first time that they actually started singing in the, the United, or in the North America with each other in the church. And what they would do is they would recite actual psalms out of the Bible. And then, and then in the 1800s, they finally accepted new songs, which we have in our psalm or our, our, our hymn books today. Um, and they wouldn't do it like we do it. They, would, they couldn't read many of them. And so you would have the worship leader singing one line, and then the congregation would copy them. But now, thank God, things have changed, and, and people are more open to uh, being able to worship God freely. But we shouldn't be so legalistic and, and following our traditions over scripture. So music is just one thing. There's, there's a million things. But we can't allow our traditions to trump the scriptures placed in front of us by our holy God. We can't allow our preferences to stop us from loving our neighbor. We can't allow our preferences to create conflict within the church. But also, when I, when I think about tradition, I think about, like, routine. We just do things just to do it. Um, next thing is don't, don't 
live routinely. Listen to this. I, w- I want you to hear this. And I'm not saying this sarcastically. I'm just saying it as the truth. One thing, one tradition, unfortunately, that we've been really successful at as the church in the United States, very successful, is not sharing the gospel. Been so successful at not sharing the gospel. Not sharing the good news of what Jesus Christ did for these people. I have a few statistics um, that I can put up on the screen. Less than 2% of evangelical Christians in America witness weekly to unbelievers or annually lead someone to Christ. 90% of all Christians in America will never share their faith with anyone in their lifetime. 90%. Talk to him, <laughs> me and Larry were talking about this. Uh, you have 10% of the people doing 90% of the work. And our job, our purpose, is to have a relationship with God. Our next purpose is to introduce people to Christ so that they can have a relationship with with God. We're not even living out our purpose as the church. 90% of us don't even share the gospel. Like, what are we doing? Only 21% of American evangelical Christians will invite anyone to church in a year. Only 2% will invite an unchurched person to the church in a year. Lastly, 95% of all Christian believers in America have never led anybody to Christ. Many times traditions are just things that we do just because we, we've always done it that way. Listen, don't allow your life to be that. Don't allow your life to be routine. I, I talked to the youth about this last Wednesday, that I always hear from people, man, Christianity just sounds boring. Like, it's the most, like, you have these rules that you got to follow, So why would I want anything to do with that? The reason is because that's what they see us. They see us as a a bunch of, you got to follow this, got to follow that, instead of our main commandments, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. They, They think it's all about following rules rather than just loving people, which is the law of Christ. So if Christ was to come into this church, would he be turning over the tables in our lives because we're sitting there taking this tradition and trumping it over scripture? Or would he be so thankful and say, well done, because you have put me before everything. Let's make sure that we don't live routinely, that every single day we have a purpose. Because I used to think that is the same thing. Man, Christianity is so boring. I got saved and now it's like I go to church go home, go to sleep, go to school, come home, go to church. It it just was boring until I realized that I have a a purpose every single day to wake up and to impact people's lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single day. There shouldn't be a single day where you don't put a smile on somebody's face. You show them the love of Christ. Give them an excuse to ask you for the reason you're so happy and joyful. Ask, make, make them ask you for the reason why you love them so much. Serve people recklessly like God loves us. 
grab their attention with the love that you show people. Your, your, your life should not be routine. Every day should be different because you should be impacting someone else every single day by serving them. And then lastly, I'm going to stick on this for just a few minutes. Number three, carry the load. Carry the load. Like I just said a while ago, you have 10% of the people doing 90% of the work. Carry the load. Um, so this was the week prior to Passover when, when Jesus went into the temple. And there was roughly around 80,000 to 100,000 people living in Jerusalem during this time. And when people were coming in from all over the known world to Jerusalem to worship Yahweh, our God, there were about 2 million people in Jerusalem, a little, a little jump in population at that time. So there's so many people. And so these, these merchants were in there just trying to take advantage of all these people, but their hearts weren't geared toward, okay, I'm going to sell these animals to them so they can sacrifice. No, their aim was, let me make a profit. Let me take advantage of these people traveling because they weren't able to, to travel all that way and bring their animals for sacrifices. So they would travel to Jerusalem, buy an animal to sacrifice for themselves. But these merchants would take advantage of them, which causes them to put a burden on these people. So we, as the church, ought to be lifting that burden together, which is my little sub-point under that, don't be the load. Don't be the load. Um, you know, we're all in Florida. During the hurricanes, during the hurricanes, you, you go get gas, what happens? The price just rockets. And, and they're, they're taking advantage of the, of the problem that's in front of them to make a profit. Um, and that's exactly what these people were doing. Well, D-Rob, what, what does this have to do with us? Well, here's the answer is we're the church. We are the, the body of Christ. And our role is to bring restoration to the world. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, this is the part I, I love, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. So if we are going to do that, we have the message of reconciliation now. We have the gospel. And people are just walking themselves to hell and we're not, we're not stepping in front of them. Go ahead. We just let them go. We have the gospel in our hands. So we have the job of restoring people by sharing the gospel. However, if we're going to restore people, we have to be restored ourselves. That's why it's so important for us as the church to build up each other, to be a family, to serve each other. If you go to Acts 4, 32 through 37, you see that 
people would lay money at the disciples' feet. There was this guy named Joseph. You probably know, know him as Barnabas, the son of encouragement. He went and sold his piece of property just to help the people in his church. So we are supposed to, to serve each other, to build each other up so that we can go outside these walls. If we don't care about each other, then why, why are we going to care about the outsiders, the, the lost? Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If somebody's hurting, take care of them. If somebody needs encouragement, encourage them. This is the body of Christ. We come here to be filled up so we can go out. We, we don't come here to enjoy the AC on a Sunday morning and that's it for the rest of the week. We, we come here to be filled up so that we can go out and share the gospel. The, the preacher's job, Pastor Corey, his job isn't just to go to, to do ministry for all of us. It's to prepare the saints to do ministry. It's to prepare the church to go out and do ministry. It's a lot easier when we multiply. My parents' Sunday school class, I, went, I played uh, college baseball. And if anybody knows about um, being a college athlete, you know that you really don't have time for a job because that is your job. And... Um, so I wasn't able to work while playing baseball, and so, uh, my parents' Sunday school class, it's something so simple, but it helped me out tremendously. They would take up money, and once a month, they would slip a little money into my, um, bank account, because they, they were supporting somebody in their church. We need to support people in our church. Help these youth, they're going to camp. I don't know if y'all know that. They're going to camp, and it's an opportunity to help them go to camp. People are going to uh, Guatemala, to Ecuador. Serve them, help them to be able to do what God's called them to do. Like I said, if somebody's hurting, take care of that need. Serve your brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, if you're not doing your part, you're abusing the church. Think about that. If you're not doing your part, you're abusing the church. Galatians 6, 5. This is simple. For each one should carry their own load. Everybody should carry their own load in life. And then when you fall, somebody should be able to pick you back up. Because we're supposed to be carrying each other's burdens as well. But if you're always the burden, if you're always the one needing help, then you're taking advantage of this person when they could be helping somebody else. You, shouldn't, you should not always be the victim. We need to carry our own loads. Next thing under that. Don't be the load. Don't neglect. My little oldest daughter, um, she came from a, a tough situation. Um, she was neglected as a child. Um, she was abused as well. Um, she was locked with her brothers into a refrigerator. Um, she was beaten to the point where her leg was broken. Um, she, she has scars all down her body. And she was neglected because she was put into this room without food or water with her siblings. And this is what she had to do. In order to live, 
they needed something to drink. And so they would wait for my younger daughter. Um, y'all know her as Sissy. She was a baby at the time. She was an infant. And they would wait for her to urinate on the floor so they could drink her urine. She was neglected. And in the same way, her biological parents neglected them, when you don't do your part as the body of Christ, when you don't do your specific part as the member of the body of Christ, you're neglecting the church. You're neglecting Christ of what he's called you to do. If you're, if you're called to be the feet, the, the, the legs of the body of Christ, how can the hand go and do their part? You cannot neglect the body of Christ because you're, you're more important than you think. Because if we would all work together, I'm telling you, we can, we can impact this world. There's 90% of us don't share the gospel. Just do your part. Don't neglect. I tell my youth all the time, like if there's something on your heart, say it. Because you're neglecting everybody else in here. If, if God puts something on your heart to encourage somebody, do it. We shouldn't neglect the church. Um, in 1 Corinthians 4.12, uh, Paul was talking to the Corinthian church about their spiritual gifts. We all have gifts. We all have talents. And he says this, everything, all your talents, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So everything that we have a talent for, all the spiritual gifts that we have been given are to be used to glorify God and to build up the church, to serve the church. Uh, for my athletes in here, uh, if God has given you athleticism, I'm sorry, your, your purpose is not to go make lots of money like I wanted to do. Uh, that's not your goal. Your goal isn't to make lots of money so you can live in a nice house and be in the Hall of Fame one day. Your goal is to build up the church, and if those things happen along the way, great. If you're a brainiac, y- your goal is not to go a- and cure cancer. If, you, if God has given you that knowledge, it, it, that's not your purpose. Your number one purpose is to serve Christ, serve the church. And if you cure cancer along the way, awesome. But let me tell you something, like if you just cure cancer, people are going to die and go to hell for some other reason, some other illness. So make sure your purpose is the church. If you're a musician, your, your, your goal isn't to go and get a Grammy. It's to, to serve the church with the talents you've been given. We can live life. We can enjoy these things. But your number one goal is to serve the church so that the church can be what it's supposed to be, which is the hands and feet of Christ, the body of Christ. John 13, 35, but this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Spend time with the people here in this family. Don't neglect others by, by not hanging out with them. Going back to tradition, well, this is what I've always done. I've always just come on Sunday morning, praise God. I leave and go do what I want during the week. Well, that's not, that's not what the church is supposed to be. Acts 2 says we're, they were together daily serving each other. And the love that they had for each other, people were attracted to that and came to know Christ through it. So the more love we have for each other, the outside people, the lost, are going to be attracted to the love that we have. They want that same thing. Hebrews 10, 24, 25, I'm almost done. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I tell this to my youth. (laughs) 
Scripture says that as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Well, in order for iron to sharpen iron, it has to come in contact with each other. So in order for us to sharpen each other, we have to be around each other. We have to be a family, serving each other as the church. Not just coming in and out whenever we want. Don't give up meeting together and being a church family like we ought to be. I'm going to end with this story. Abraham Lincoln, uh, 16th president, and I don't know if you know this, but he was actually, um, he worked in a gun shop when he was younger. And while he's in this gun shop, this man comes in, and he was interested in, in buying some guns. And so he looked at this rack of Kentucky squirrel rifles, and he was excited to buy one. But then something caught his eye over here, hanging on the wall. It was this beautiful gun made by a world-renowned gunsmith with the best materials. But he, he noticed that it was the same price as these Kentucky squirrel rifles. He's, so he went over to Mr. Lincoln, and he says, Sir, I, I noticed you have these Kentucky squirrel rifles over here. And they're this price, but why, why is this beautiful gun over here the same exact price? And Mr. Lincoln laughed. He's, he's like, oh, these guns are actually useful. This is just for decoration. Let's make sure that we're not decorations of the church. We're not, we're not just here doing nothing. Don't be the load. Carry your own weight. Serve other people. When other people are down, carry them as well. Let's be the church that we're supposed to be. When Pastor Corey comes back, let's, let's do some. Let's have some passion for each other so that the lost are attracted and we can make an impact in this world. But it all starts in here. It, it all starts with us loving even those outcasts. It's about us putting scripture above everything. And it's about us carrying the load and not actually being the load. What, what, what should I do to get involved? Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but VBS is coming up pretty soon. This sermon isn't about VBS. But VBS is coming up. Um, well, I, I don't work with kids. You don't have to work with kids. Like, you can do anything. There's, um, there'll be a pile of trash um, after every night, and, and we can use some people to, to, to take out the trash. Um, if you just want to be in the hallways smiling at the children, you can do something during that time. So VBS has come. There's, there's other ministries. There's other talents that God has given you. Don't neglect the church by not using those talents. Be who God has created you to be. Be who God who has called you to be. Impact lives. Let's be the church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your constant love. Thank you for loving us even when we don't live up to our calling. Thank you show, for showing us grace that we don't deserve. But Father, I pray that you would give us a renewed spirit, give us passion for you, for our church, and for sharing the gospel with the lost. Bring conviction in our lives where we need it, and help us to serve wholeheartedly to impact this world for you. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.